deputy men for that ministry of music. I was talking to a number of our teachers in our congregation this week, and uh, it was interesting because I had the, virtually the same conversation with a few of them, and it was about the difficulty in grading exams. And it certainly is hard and very time-consuming, depending on the subject matter. It can also be quite subjective. When I was uh, teaching at Biblical Seminary, the aspect of teaching that I did not like was the very aspect of grading. I found it to be very subjective, especially in terms of papers and uh, essays, to know what grade to give, and it was very important. These were people in their master's program, many of them wanting to go on for their doctorate, or do that, you've got to at least have a B average in your master's program. So it was very important as to what grade they received. I would agonize over that. If you were going to grade yourself on your Christian life, what grade would you give to yourself? If you were being graded on your own Christian life, especially Christian thought, doctrine, what grade would you give to your, yourself? There was a letter written this week to the uh, editor to the Lebanon Daily News that appeared, and maybe you saw it, a letter by the Reverend George I. Evans of Cornwall. Did you see that? A number of people made comment to me. I'm not going to read the whole letter by any means. I'm just going to read one simple line. He says, The fact is, the Bible is not the Word of God. The fact is, the Bible is not the Word of God. Some things are easier to grade than others. I would give that an F. That fails. That's unacceptable. That's downright wrong. The Bible is the very Word of God. And it deserves an F, for it gets wrong what is at the very core value of our Christian faith, namely that the Bible is the Word of God. Today, we're going to look at the Thessalonians. And they get an A for their response to the Word of God. They get an A for how they receive, how they look at, how they handle how they respond to the Word of God. They get an A. And uh, each one of these points has an A in it. If you listen, uh, for they get a triple A. First, the Thessalonians received an A for the manner in which they accepted the Word of God. A for accept. The way in which they accepted the Word of God. They accepted the message for what it really is, namely, the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. My text this morning is verses 13 through 15. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we see that Paul thanks God that the Thessalonians believed the gospel to be the Word of God. Verse 13. And for this reason, 
We also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, now these words, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. He's rejoicing, he's thanking God because they received the message for what it really is, namely the word of God. The reason that Paul thanks God is because that belief is a result of God working through his spirit that the Thessalonians would accept the message as God's word. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You were fully convinced that the Bible was the word of God. You heard it, and the Spirit of God worked and moved and brought you to that, that place of faith. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6 You also became imitators of us and the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit. So Paul thanks God that the Thessalonians received the scriptures for what it really is, the word of God. Next, the gospel message is not the word of men, it is the word of God. The message was mediated from God to the Thessalonians through the human agency of the Apostle Paul. Look at verse 13 of First Thessalonians chapter 2. And for this reason, we also constantly thank God, here's the reason, that when you received from us, you received from us, they heard the message from the Apostle Paul. However, when they heard this message from the Apostle Paul, they did not simply view it as a human message or Paul's message. They accepted it as the Word of God. Notice verse 13. When you received us from us the Word of God's message, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God. You accepted it as God's Word. You believed it. You welcomed it. And you were willing to look at it as God's Word. And then, just as importantly, the editorial note in verse 13, for what it really is. You were right. You were right. The assessment that you made, that this message is God's Word, is the right message. It's the right appropriation. It's the right understanding. You get an A. You got it right. You accepted what I said, not as simply my word, but God's word, and you were right. You were right because the gospel came from God. Paul had been entrusted with the gospel, according to 1 Thessalonians 2.4. But just as we had been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, it was handed over to Paul. It was a treasure that God gave to Paul, not just for himself to keep, but to share with others. And he was to guard it. He was to keep it. He was not to adulterate it. He was not to expound upon it. He was not to change it. He was not to make it something that it was not. He was entrusted with this, and he declared it. How did that occur? Well, Galatians 1.10 and following tells us the process. 
Galatians 1.10, it says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? In 1 Thessalonians 2.4, it said, if you're there, 1 Thessalonians 2.4, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God. He said, because we've been entrusted with this message from God, we don't preach in such a way as to make you happy. We preach to make God happy. We don't teach in such a way as to satisfy you. We teach in such a way as to satisfy God. Then in Galatians, using the exact same phrase, he says, am I striving to please men? If I were still striving to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. In Galatians 1.11, he says, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Meaning he did not receive it from man, nor was he taught it by man. Galatians 1.12, For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, God gave me this message directly. And now I've given it to you. And what's important is, You've understood that. You've accepted that. You have believed that. You have appropriated that. You have said, yes, this is God's message. This is the word of God. Just as the gospel was from God, but mediated through the Apostle Paul, so too the Bible has come down to us, mediated by men. Nevertheless, it is still the word of God. 2 Peter 1.20 but know this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a, a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Second Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished for every good work. It is absolutely essential, it is foundational to our Christian faith that we accept the gospel as God's word. And more generally, that we accept the Bible in its entirety as the word of God. It starts there. It starts there. That's the beginning, that's the foundation of who and what we are as a people of God. We are people of the book. We are people that believe that what this says is true. And when the Thessalonians heard Paul, they said, it's true. It is God's word. Secondly, the Thessalonians received an A for the way in which they applied the word of God. They gained insight and instruction from the word which they followed and passed it on. As a result of having believed the message to be the word of God, they conducted themselves in a manner consistent with all who believe the Bible is the word of God. First Thessalonians 2.14 For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. Now, Paul picks up again on what he had said earlier in Thessalonians. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 1.5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, 
you also became imitators of us and of the Lord. Now these words, having received the word. Having received the word. Because they had received the word, because they had accepted the word, because they had, they had believed the word, they became imitators of Paul and of the Lord. And then in Thessalonians chapter 2, the churches in Judea. This word, received, is a very interesting word. It also appears in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. There's actually two different words for accept or receive in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. The one word, the word that's also found here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, is the word that we would use to receive a baton. You think of a, a runner. You know, you, you think of uh, a... Uh, Oh, my mind just went blank. What do you call those? Relays. Thank you, yes. This morning is group participation message. Uh, a relay race. And uh, you had the first leg, and of course they're carrying the baton, and then they hand it off to the second leg, who then hands it off to the third leg, who then hands it off to that fourth leg who finishes the race. Paul says, you've received the baton. I've handed it off to you. That which was entrusted to me, I've now given to you. And so what did they do with it? Well, they shared it with others. You became imitators of me and the Lord and the other churches of Judea. You have spread the gospel message. That's the result. First Thessalonians 1.8. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Again, the, the depiction here, this is God's word. It's, it's the Lord's word. That word which you received, that baton that you took, and believe was God's word, you then passed on to others. You then sounded it out. You then spoke it yourself and declared God's word. With the reception of the word comes a spreading of the word as opposed to a hindering of the word. With the rejection of the word, God's word then becomes Opposed. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians 2.14. 2.14 through 16. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men. And now these words, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles, that they might be saved. The result of those that did not believe or accept the word is that they hindered the word. They spoke against the word. They stood in opposition to the word. Even religious leaders. Even, I never met this man, but he put his name to this letter. This man who said, this religious leader, that the Bible is not the word of God. They oppose. They stand against. They actually seek to hinder the spread of that belief. Because they believed it to be the word of God, they received it. And because they received it as a baton, they were ready to pass it on. Thirdly, the Thessalonians received an A for the way that they appropriated the word appropriated the word. 
They gain help, strength, and encouragement from God's word. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, and now this terminology, which also performs its work in you who believe. To the one that believes the Bible is the word of God, it will perform its work. The word of God is living. It's powerful. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. God says, my word is effectual. My word is going to produce fruit. My word is going to be advantageous. And they were helped, encouraged, strengthened through the word of God. Paul had been at work among the Thessalonians preaching God's word. And note what that work was, 1 Thessalonians 2.11. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encourage and imploring each one of you as a father of his own children. He was encouraging them. He was exhorting them. He was imploring them. Reason. Jump down to 1 Thessalonians 3.4, which is the key verse for this entire group. There's actually four sections that verse three, chapter 3, verse 4 governs. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that you were going to suffer affliction, and so it came to pass, as you know. Uh, Paul writes to them because they are suffering hardship. They are being persecuted. And he says, I told you that. I told you that it was going to come. Because I was not negligent in sharing with you all of the word of God. So 1 Thessalonians 2.14, I know that we're jumping around, but 1 Thessalonians 2.14, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen. Here the key word is endured. The way that they became imitators is to endure. They imitated, in chapter 1, Jesus, because he endured. They imitated Paul, because he endured. Chapter 2, they imitated the churches because they endured. That's what God's people do. They endure. They endure. They last. And the reason they last is because of the effectual work of the Word of God. When the Word of God is believed and appropriated, it brings us endurance. The Thessalonians, because they believed the message to be God's Word, were strengthened, encouraged, and comforted to the point of manifesting endurance. Among other things, they were comforted concerning those who had already died in their faith. They'd been persecuted. And they had experienced death in their midst. And the question was, did God really love them if he would allow these godly people to die? What's going wrong here? The answer is nothing is going wrong. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. The introductory words here are so important. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 For this we say to you by 
the word of the Lord. This is God's word, what I'm about to share with you, he says. This, you've accepted what I say to you as being God's word. Here it is. Here's the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. That we who are alive aren't going to be in heaven before those who have already died, or without them. Now look at verse 18 of chapter 4. Verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Because this is God's word, because it is true, because you know this, now comfort yourselves and comfort others. You see, appropriate the truth of God's word. Allow it to have its effect upon you. May its power be manifested in you. May you derive the comfort that the word of God gives because you know, you know that you're going to be with your loved one again. Because the Thessalonians believed and appropriated the message, they held on as they looked for the Lord's return. Back to chapter 1. Verses 9 and 10. I'm trying to show you how this all fits together. First Thessalonians 1, 9 and 10. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you, how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and then these words, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. They believe that. And they were waiting for the Lord's return. And they were waiting with anticipation. And they believed that when the Lord returned, that he would save them. And they would be delivered from his eternal judgment and wrath. Now turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Who both... These are these uh, people that reject God's word who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, with the result that they always fill up to the measure of their sins. And now these words, but wrath has come upon them to the utmost. You are going to be preserved from wrath. But these... God's wrath is going to come upon them to the utmost. They are going to know the full measure, the unmitigated, unlimited wrath of God. It says they heap unto themselves this wrath. The Thessalonians were enduring. Enduring because they were anticipating the Lord's return and the salvation that accompanies it. Back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 10. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 9. Summary statement. For God has not destined us for wrath. You see how this book just weaves all these thoughts together repeatedly and, and is working towards a crescendo. God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or asleep, we may live together with him. And then, verse 11, Therefore, 
Now that you know that, encourage one another, build up one another, just as also you are doing. Derive the comfort, the benefit, the help, the strength of God's word. You know this. Now, live it out. Live it out. Appropriate it. Be encouraged. Be comforted. Application. How well have we appropriated the encouragement of God's word? These are building blocks. They accepted the message as the word of God. They applied the word of God. But then they also appropriated the word of God. I would imagine just about everybody in this room give themselves an A on the first point. They accept the Bible as the word of God. I hope you believe the Bible is God's word. Secondly, we strive to apply the word of God. I would think that's true of just about all of us. We try to apply the word of God. We try to live it out. We try to be faithful to it, follow its instruction, because it is God's word. Maybe we give ourselves an A, an A minus, who knows. But what about the third point? Appropriating God's word. Especially as it relates to the Lord's return. How much does that truth really affect us? How much does it really transform our thinking? How much encouragement and help are we really able to derive? It starts with thinking about those who already have died. We've had two funerals in our church in the last two weeks, and then uh, other people that have died related to people in our church. And it's common at that time to reflect on, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, to uh, comfort ourselves with these words, even as Thessalonians says. So maybe people have been comforted this week. But beyond that, Paul's writing to a church under persecution. He's writing to a church that's in great turmoil. And he says, I want you to understand clearly that the people who are doing this to you are going to be punished forever and ever. They're going to abide under God's wrath. Don't envy them. Don't be afraid of them. Don't wish that you were like them. And don't hide your light. Because you are not destined for wrath. But when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, you are going to experience his bliss and his joy forever and ever. Are we able to see the truth of the heavenly realities? Is it enough to sustain us in the present moment as we look at what we are going through, maybe financial struggles, maybe physical struggles, maybe interpersonal relationship struggles, whatever they may be, are we able to see beyond them to a much more glorious and true state of affairs that is going to come into being when the Lord Jesus Christ returns? They were comforted. 
They were encouraged. And the word that sums up that comfort and encouragement is endurance. Endurance. They hung in there. Jesus endured. He hung in there. Paul endured. He hung in there. The churches in Judea endured. They hung in there. Now the Thessalonians, they're going to endure, but hang in there. And I say to you that one of the major helps to us to endure and hang in there in our relationship with Jesus Christ is the reality that we are waiting patiently for his return and the setting aright of all things. May God give us faith, real faith, real belief, real trust, that we accept that message as true, that we apply that message to the circumstances in which we now face ourselves, and we appropriate the comfort, the endurance that comes through a certain knowledge of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not all there is. There is so much more to life than the present. Eternal life in the future. May we be guided by our faith and trust in the eternal reward of being with Christ forever and ever. Let's pray. Our Father, help us as we would seek to get an A this morning in our acceptance and our application and our appropriation of the Word of God. Lord, comfort us through your word as we believe it, as we seek to apply it. Oh Lord, may we be strengthened. May we be encouraged. May we be helped. May we gain the power that comes through your word with the great hope and expectation that your word will not return void, but will accomplish that whereunto it has been sent. Lord, minister to us through your word this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.